show starts in three, two, one. Liberalism is back in style. Welcome to the evolution. What if you knew Fox News was just lying to you? How could you watch when you know? He was voted Variety Entertainer of the Year in the Excellence in the Arts Award. And it's one of the highest arbitrage now Nielsen-rated talk radio hosts in Las Vegas. He is also a refreshing voice of logic and reason. Live from the entertainment capital of the world, Doug Basham. I know words. I have the best words. I love the poorly educated. Right under the toilet. And good morning, my fellow wokes and Republican jokes. Thanks for joining me today. My name is Doug Basham, and welcome to the Doug Basham Show right here on KSHP in Las Vegas and on social media, and to a genuine demonstration of excellence in broadcasting. The website is DougBasham.com, last name spelled B as in Bob, A-S-H-A-M as in Mary. DougBasham.com, my email, Doug at DougBasham.com. If you are new to this show, here's what you need to know. My website is all of one page. You'll find the show's logo on top. Underneath it, 12 links to everything associated with this show, including links to all the social media sites on which we both broadcast this show live and archive them. But here's the only one you really need. Click on the YouTube icon. Once there, click on the link that says live. There, you can watch the show live or view the archive shows. Two clicks, that's it. But while you're on my YouTube page, if you could manage a third click and click on the subscribe link, I would be obliged. 221-7283 is our call-in number here at the station, folks. If you want to talk on the radio in our second half hour, that's 702-221-SAVE, as in save our democracy our ultimate and only goal in each and every show we do. So for the love of Caleb, whoever he may be, lock him up. <laughs> Quick note and request, Tony Corelli, if you are listening, please send me an email. I have someone who thoroughly enjoyed your time on the radio with me on Monday and wishes to communicate with you. I know this person. He's cool. He's a friend of this show. And if you're lucky, he'll be a friend to you as well. Bottom line, it's a good thing that he wants to communicate with you. So send me an email. I'll pass your email address on. Again, send it to Doug at DougBasham.com. And speaking of Tony, I don't really have a theme for today. Monday was Meme Monday. Yesterday was Take Back Tuesday. I can tell you that tomorrow will be Take Off Thursday. I learned yesterday the station will be closed for Thanksgiving tomorrow. And I do hope you and yours have a safe and happy one. 
We'll be doing a replay. Haven't decided which one yet. Probably yesterday, seeing as we didn't take phone calls. Which reminds me, seeing as we didn't take phone calls yesterday, and we won't be able to tomorrow as we won't be here again because it's Thanksgiving, we can devote pretty much the entire second half hour to phone calls if you'd like. And speaking of Thanksgiving, it is time to count your blessings one by one as each relative goes home. And I'm reminded of the man who walked into the house with a turkey under his arm. He walks up to his wife and says, this is the pig I've been having sex with. His wife says, that's a turkey. And the man says, I wasn't talking to you. And you, and you know how they... <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, I don't know. What, it's not like it's the first time I told that joke. You know what? It's Justin's reaction. That's what it is. Anyhow, you, you know how Thanksgiving dinner is like a married couple having sex? After it's over, dad falls asleep and leaves mom to clean up. And you know how you can tell if your Thanksgiving turkey is a male or female? The female turkey costs 83 cents for every dollar the male turkeys cost. And did you hear what Thanksgiving and hip-hop have in common? They were both started by people of color and then adopted and ruined by white people. And you know how you can tell the difference between a Thanksgiving turkey and a child? If it makes a noise when you stick a knife in it, it's probably not a turkey. I remember one year as a kid, I shot my first turkey for Thanksgiving. Scare the living bejesus out of everyone in the grocery store. Another year, we thought it'd be a good idea to get a turkey a year in advance and feed it generously for the next Thanksgiving. Only problem was, by the time Thanksgiving came, we thought of the turkey as a pet. So we ate the dog instead. I'm kidding. It was the cat. And you know why we do eat turkey on Thanksgiving? Because most dogs won't fit in the oven. And you know how many cooks it takes to stuff a turkey? Only one, but you really have to squeeze them in there. And apparently the Kardashians are looking forward to Thanksgiving. Both Chloe and Kim were overheard saying they were looking forward to some dark meat. And finally, a man calls his adult daughter the day before Thanksgiving and tells her the bad news. He and his wife are getting a divorce. She says, but why, Dad? What happened? Her father said, I've been miserable for years, and I just can't take it anymore. I've packed my bags, and I'm leaving tonight. The daughter said, wait, Dad, don't do anything drastic. I'll call my brother. We'll both fly out as soon as we can, and we can all talk. Can you at least wait until tomorrow? Her father said, okay, but get here as soon as you can. The call ends, and the husband says to his wife, honey, great news. The kids are coming for Thanksgiving, and they're paying their own airfare. Yesterday, we addressed the new tape of Donald Trump, courtesy of ABC's Jonathan Carl, which was just part of a lengthy interview he had with Trump as research for his new book released last Tuesday titled Tired of Winning, Donald Trump and the End of the Grand Old Party. 
This interview was conducted way back in March of 2021, just two months after the January 6th insurrection. It wasn't a lengthy clip, but we broke it down and analyzed the living heck out of it. Here's that short clip uninterrupted. But if you look at the real size of that crowd, it was never reported correctly. There were, it's the biggest crowd I've ever spoken in front of by far. Really? By far. That went down to the Washington, that went back to the Washington Monument. Um, you told them you were going to go up to the Capitol. Were you just... I was, no, I was going to, and the Secret Service said, you can't. And then by the time I would have, and then when I got back, I saw, I wanted to go back. I was thinking about going back during the problem to stop the problem, doing it myself. Secret Service didn't like that idea mm. too much. So, so what, I could so, have done that. And you know what? I would have been very well received. Don't forget... The people that went to Washington that day, in my opinion, they went because they thought the election was rigged. That's why they went. And just to recap all that we learned in that clip, just two months after the insurrection, when people died, Trump's main takeaway was the size of the crowd, being the pathetically needy and insecure malignant narcissist he is. Second, we learned that Trump told Carl that he actually wanted to go back to the Capitol and stop the insurrection, although he did his illiterate best to downplay it and called it a problem. He lied. He absolutely did not want to go back and stop it, even though he was begged to do so by his staff, his right-wing propaganda hate media, and his family. He gleefully watched it on TV and orgasmically enjoyed it. We then addressed Trump calling it a problem and not an insurrection, and we discussed the Colorado judge's ruling that was designed to keep Trump off the ballot. Let me read you just two sentences from her 102-page ruling. Number one, quote, the court further concludes that the events on and around January 6, 2021 easily satisfy the definition of insurrection, end quote. Number two, quote, the court concludes based on its findings of fact and the applicable law detailed above that Trump incited an insurrection on January the 6th, 2021, and therefore engaged in insurrection within the meaning of Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, end quote. And this gets into the issue of factual findings and legal findings. In this case, Judge Wallace's factual finding was that Trump indeed engaged in insurrection. Her legal finding, however, was that it didn't keep him off the ballot. And why does this matter? Because both parties have appealed this decision. The plaintiffs have appealed her decision to keep him on the ballot. The Trump defense has appealed the judge finding Trump engaged in insurrection. And for some clarity, we turn to two of the best legal analysts we have, former lead prosecutor in the Robert Mueller case, Andrew Weissman, and the former acting solicitor general under Barack Obama, the guy who actually argued cases before the Supreme Court, Neil Katyal. First, Andrew Weissman. And the reason I really like this clip 
is because Andrew repeats something from the judge's finding that I have been featuring in my clip of Trump on January 6th. Namely, when you catch somebody in a fraud, you're allowed to go by different rules. Thank you, Andrew. So, Andrew, you, we always know what you think because you are very prolific on Twitter. But I wanted to ask you, last night at a rally, Donald Trump basically said this is a gigantic victory, essentially, a court victory for him. What did you think when you read that ruling? Well, that's a lot like his saying that after an impeachment, he was you know, exonerated. exonerated right? the, the Mueller report exonerated yes. him. I mean, so look, that's his spin. I do think there's a factual component to this ruling and a legal component. Yeah. It's great that you're focusing on the sort of misleading headlines. The factual component is not just the bottom line that you read where the judge says, I find mm -hmm. that he incited, but she goes through a litany of his history of violent rhetoric. Mm -hmm. And let me just give you one example from the ellipse, which I think many people had not focused on, was the judge said, this is from Donald Trump's exact words. When you catch somebody in a fraud, you're allowed to go by very different rules. Mm. And then he talked about fighting over and over and over again. I mean, it, so the, that was the very explicit finding with enormous mm. support. And then I'm sure Neil's going to talk a lot about the legal ruling. But just here's my lay non-legal view. <laughs> the idea that people passed this part of the Constitution saying, if you engage in insurrection, you cannot hold any office accept the presidency yeah. seems crazy. It doesn't make sense. At all. And Andrew is exactly right. The judge did list just a litany of examples of Trump's violence inciting rhetoric. Like I said yesterday, it was a 102-page ruling. It would have taken me another hour just to read that entire list. For even more clarity, we hear from a former acting Solicitor General under Barack Obama, Neil Katyal, and he brings up something of which I was not aware until I heard Neil say it last night. And one last thing, notice the look on Neil's face at the end of this clip. If you engage in insurrection, you cannot hold any office accept the presidency yeah. seems crazy. It doesn't make sense. At all. That, I mean, is, that is a lay legal view-ish. Yes, and a legal exactly. <laughs> so, Neil, I think one of the big questions here is kind of what happens from here. A lot of the reporting suggests it could go to the Colorado Supreme Court next and then ultimately to the Supreme Court. You're very familiar with these processes. Walk us through kind of what could happen from here. Yeah, so I, I do uh, argue, argue appeals for a living, and I live part of the year in Colorado, so very familiar with the Colorado Supreme Court. Mm. And, you know, I think, Andrew, and you have got it exactly right. If I were to put the headline uh, on Friday night as an appeals lawyer, it would be, this is the very worst decision Donald Trump could get from the trial court, because it's going to go on appeal to the Colorado Supreme Court, perhaps the U.S. Supreme Court, and there Trump is going to face extreme headwinds. And the reason for that is... The factual find there's two parts, as Andrew says, there's a the mm -hmm. factual finding that the judge said, which is Trump committed insurrection. And then there's a legal part that the 14th Amendment doesn't apply to the office of the presidency. And on appeals, Jen, the factual findings get massive deference by the appeals court. It's almost impossible to overturn a trial judge's factual finding. You can overturn the legal findings because that's a basically a fresh look at the legal mm -hmm. thing. And here this judge 
factually made devastating findings against Trump and then looked at this legal technicality, which was, well, the 14th Amendment doesn't apply to the office of the president, which is so weak, even the judge themselves admitted that this would be preposterous. And the reason for that is that there are other parts of the Constitution that say that the president is an office holder of the United States, which is kind of obvious. And the text and the part you didn't bold um, when you flashed the 14th Amendment says it applies to, quote, any office, civil or military, under the United States, as long as you've taken an oath. And of course, the president does take an oath. And it would be an insane reading otherwise. It would mean Jefferson Davis or Robert E. Lee mm. could have run for the presidency in 1868. That cannot possibly be the law. And I don't think that it will command a majority of the Colorado Supreme Court or certainly the United States Supreme Court. So you've argued a lot of cases before the Supreme Court. Would you take this case? Hell yeah. I'm ready and ready and willing to go. <laughs> Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Now that was clarifying. And according to Neil, factual findings by a trial judge, which in this case was that Trump committed insurrection, are almost impossible to overturn. So we'll see if and when this almost certainly ends up at the Supreme Court. But what I didn't know is, Neil said there are other places in the Constitution that refer to the president as an officeholder, a.k.a. an officer of the United States. And for you viewers on social media, if you saw Neil's face at the end of that clip, when Neil first started as a legal analyst on cable news, he was very straight-laced, all business. But as he appeared more and more and became more comfortable, he loosened up and we discovered that along with his vast legal experience and expertise, Neil also has a wicked sense of humor when he sees fit to unleash it. But the look on his face there at the end, that is the biggest smile I have ever seen on Neil's face, which, if I'm honest, gives me hope. I just wish it was Neil that would be arguing this case before the Supreme Court. Late-night host Stephen Colbert had this take on this Colorado ruling. Oh, here's someone who might want to slip into a turkey suit to get pardoned, Donald Trump. <laughs> you see, he is the subject of lawsuits all across the country trying to keep him off the ballot for violating the 14th Amendment's ban on public officials who engaged in an insurrection. Well, on Friday, ladies and gentlemen, we got the ruling we've all been waiting for. A Colorado judge ruled yesterday that President Trump, quote, engaged in an insurrection on January 6th, becoming the first judge to do so. What's that? I'm sorry, I'm being told there's more to that news report. But she will allow him to remain on the state's primary ballot. So here's, here's what went down in Colorado. Even though the Constitution bars anyone who engaged in an insurrection from holding office and the judge found that Trump engaged in an insurrection, she ultimately ruled that she can't bar Trump because the 14th Amendment explicitly bans insurrectionists from serving as U.S. senators, representatives, and even presidential electors, but it does not say anything about presidents. So he's off on a technicality. It reminds me of this, pizzo it reminds me of this pivotal moment from Air Bud. 
He's right. Ain't no rules in the dark. Hang the vice president. <laughs> but back to the Trump tape. Two other things we learned from it was or were. Number one, Trump admitted to the control he has over his base and that he could have stopped it. The truth is, he incited the attack, he wanted the attack, and the last thing he wanted to do was to stop the attack. And the final one was, and perhaps this is the most important takeaway from the tape, it was Trump admitting it was his MAGA morons who attacked the Capitol. Now, he didn't refer to them as such. After all, there's still plenty of money this lifelong grifter wants to fleece from the brain-dead rubes, dupes, and suckers in his base. Who will happily send this self-professed billionaire their hard-earned beer and beef jerky money? But back on point, there's a reason why this admission by Trump that the January 6th insurrectionists were his peeps is important. In their attempts, never-ending attempts, ceaseless attempts to defend the indefensible orange traitor, it was first suggested that perhaps the insurrectionists were BLM protesters dressed up as Trump supporters. Why? To make poor, oppressed, innocent Donnie Trump look bad. You know, as if he needs any help in that area. He doesn't. He does a bang-up job of that all by himself. But ironically, there are people that to this day are looking for someone else to blame, even though hundreds of people who have been convicted in that J6 attack have admitted under oath they were there because they supported Trump. They were there because Trump told them to be there, and they were there to fight for Trump. In any event, one of the latest January 6th conspiracy theories is that one of the attendees was dressed to look like a Trump supporter. Now, that's not new, but the new element that surfaced over the weekend after the tapes were released is that this particular attendee was carrying a badge, which to the MAGA right was proof positive it was the feds who caused this attack. And here's the video that prompted this latest stupid conspiracy theory. The guy's name is Kevin Lyons. He's a Trump supporter who's currently serving 51 months in prison for his illegal activities on January 6th. He entered the Capitol, also entered Nancy Pelosi's office, whereupon he stole a photo of Nancy Pelosi and the late civil rights icon John Lewis as well as a wallet belonging to a Pelosi staffer. And sadly, that priceless, sentimental photo has never been recovered. As for the quote-unquote badge he was allegedly carrying, it was a vape. And in this video I'm going to play, you can see him. He's the one in the red MAGA hat. He first appears at the upper right part of your screen. He walks towards the camera, and as he reaches the bottom of your screen, he briefly opens his palms, exposing what's been speculated and lied is a badge. It's not. It's a vape. 
And just before he gets to the door over which this camera was recording, if you watch the bottom of the screen, you'll see a tactical team entering at the same time. He was probably showing them he had nothing threatening in his hands. And there's no audio, so for our radio listeners, I'll make this real quick, and I added some music. Again, that was a vape in his hand, not a badge. And here's this guy with the same vape in his hand walking towards the Capitol. And here he is inside Nancy Pelosi's office before he steals the picture. He's the guy holding his cell phone up to take a picture. And in this this next photo, he's posing with the picture he stole from Nancy Pelosi's office. When he was inside the Capitol, Lyons screamed at officers calling them effing Nazi bastards and the SS. At his sentencing, Judge Beryl Howell said it was absurd that Lyons joined the mob in heckling officers, calling them what, calling what he did, given that the attack on the U.S. Capitol was, quote, about the most fascistic thing I've seen, end quote. Judge Howell also said, quote, it was the mob that was more like the Nazis and the fascists that day, end quote. Howell also said that it was, quote, bizarrely ironic for Lyons to refer to officers as Nazis when the shoe is on the other foot, end quote. Lyons spoke to the judge before sentencing, explaining why he owed thousands of dollars in child support. Judge Howell told him he should have been working to pay what he owed instead of traveling to Washington, D.C. and joining a riot on January 6th. Good point, Judge Howell. Lyons said he had a lot of shame for what he did during the Capitol attack. He said, quote, I'm a pretty eccentric person. You might be able to tell. I let the crowd and the mob and stuff kind of take over me. It's insane. I can't believe it. I'm an idiot. I realize that. I don't know what came over to me. I apologize to you, the country, and my family. End quote. He also said he was sorry for the impact his crimes had on his 16 and 13 year old sons. So there's the MAGA rights fed with the badge who incited the attack on the Capitol, one of their very own, a card carrying member of Trump's brain-dead MAGA cult base. Case closed, right? For some, yes. But here's a tweet from right-wing propaganda hate media figure Benny Johnson, from whom we'll hear more in just a bit. He's spreading the badge conspiracy. He tweeted, quote, An undercover federal agent with a badge fully disguised as a supporter inside the U.S. Capitol on January 6th. January 6th was a Fed setup. All J6ers should be released on grounds of entrapment. End quote. <clears throat> and of course, our past two-time winner of the Doug Basham Dumbass of the Day Award had to step right in it again, putting one of her feet with only four toes in her mouth. Marjorie Trader Trash, Eight Toes Green. 
And by the way, if you're wondering why I add eight toes to my chosen moniker for MTG, a while back, she and Matt Jailbait Gates did a national tour, and one event they participated in took place on a beach. Marjorie decided to go barefoot, which would normally be an understandable decision when you're on the beach. But when your feet look like MTGs, it's just not a good decision. Some erstwhile photographers snapped a photo of the two, and then online sleuths did their thing. They noticed something odd about her and proceeded to zoom in on her feet. This was the result. Now, I'm sure there's two little toes squeezed in there somewhere, but for the life of me, I can't see them. And how often are somebody's big toes shorter than all the others? I mean, these are just some nasty protuberances to which the public should never be exposed. Ever! But back on point, never one to miss an opportunity to demonstrate her profound stupidity. In a tweet on Tuesday, MTG posted about this guy with the badge until it was debunked. Then she edited her tweet, deleted the sentence about the badge, but still called on the new QOP House Speaker Mike Johnson to create a new January 6th Select Committee. She called for every member of the J6 Committee, Nancy Pelosi, the FBI, the DOJ, the D.C. and Capitol Hill Police, all January 6th witnesses, all of whom she claims lied, even though they were under oath. MTG called for all of the aforementioned to be subpoenaed. And then she said the quiet part out loud. She said, quote, Criminal referrals must be written and prosecutions must happen under a Trump DOJ, end quote. And then she added, quote, I've said it all along. Mega did not do this, end quote. Yeah, Marjorie, you have said it all along. You've been an idiot all along. You've been a liar all along. And now we have your orange messiah on tape back in March of 2021 admitting it was indeed Mega. Oh, and one last thing on MTG. She has a new book which comes out today, which is titled simply MTG. I assume Marjorie Trader Trash Eight Toes Green was too big for the cover. But get this, this self-proclaimed America First MAGA wench had her book printed in Canada. And get this too, Green's Canadian printed book is produced by Winning Team Publishing, a firm co-founded by Donald Trump Jr., which has also put out books by his father and Carrie Lake, the Arizona U.S. Senate candidate and election denier. Oh, and the book by the Orange Trader, Letters to Trump, it says right on the book, that it was proudly printed in the United States. It wasn't. There is absolutely nothing, repeat, nothing about which these shameless charlatans won't lie. But yeah, let's make them the president for another four years, shall we? Idiots! But back to our recap from yesterday, we also heard clips from one Scott Gessler, one of Trump's attorneys, who lied? We also heard from one Mike Davis, 
Who lied? And this is the, this is the schlub that some on the right are saying and actually hoping is a front runner to be Trump's new attorney general should the American people fail even worse in 2024 than they did in 2016. Well, lo and behold, last night, I uncovered another clip from this Mike Davis clown. He was appearing on a show hosted by the aforementioned right-wing propaganda hate media host, Benny Johnson, who calls his show The Benny Show. And I got to say, this Benny Johnson is as big a tool as this Mike Johnson. As you watch, see if you agree with me. He sits there and giggles like a toddler who just had his first bowel movement on a potty. This is also a guy who actually blamed Kamala Harris for the cocaine that was found in the White House. And in this clip, this Mike Davis lets it be known he plans on putting migrant children in cages. But that's not all. You'll hear what else he says. And by the way, that includes children who are American citizens. He, of course, uses the pejorative anchor babies. And as you listen to these two inglorious, shameless tools, ask yourself if you can honestly see this Mike Davis being the attorney general in a democracy. And if you can't, there's a reason for that. And that reason is Donald Trump has no plans whatsoever of presiding over a democracy. None. Mike, I've never called for lava to rain down from the heavens, but maybe upon Washington, D.C. Would you be that sweet red hot lava for us? I've never been called sweet, and you call me sweet ginger. So I, I think I meant that uh, during my three-week reign of terror as Trump <laughs> acting attorney general before I get chased out of town with my Trump pardon, I will rain hell on Washington, D.C. We've talked about this, Ben. I have five lists uh, ready to go, and they're growing. List number one, we're going to fire. We're going to fire a lot of people in the uh, executive branch in the deep state. And there's your first red flag that this Mike Davis is nothing but a mindless tool and fool. Deep state! A made-up term to make it look like some shadowy underground government is behind all the other made-up lies the right-wing propaganda hate media spews, designed to destroy people's confidence in their government. It has long been this show's contention that those who look and are the stupidest are those who run around mindlessly repeating the phrases deep state and fake news. This mindless Mike Davis tool continued. Number two, we're going to indict. We're going to indict Joe Biden and Hunter Biden and James Biden and every other scumball, sleazeball Biden. Boy, this guy's on the ball, isn't he? And maybe it's just me, but when a guest says something as pants-on-head stupid as this, isn't it kind of incumbent upon the host to say, um, you know you can't just arbitrarily indict someone, right? I mean, you can't just point at someone and say, hey, you, you're indicted. We have this thing in this country called a process. We have something called grand juries. And an indictment, whether it is handed up in federal or state court, is an accusation, not a conviction. And it is among the first moves a prosecutor can make to bring a case to trial. 
under the U.S. Constitution, all federal felony charges must proceed with a grand jury indictment. And when a person is indicted in a criminal court in the U.S., it means that a grand jury composed of residents chosen at random, Democrats, Republicans, Independents, people who don't self-identify politically at all, they believed there was enough evidence to charge that person with a crime. But yeah, this guy's ready to be our attorney general, isn't he? Just, just right on top of things. But then again, in a dictatorship, I imagine grand juries would be a thing of the past, wouldn't they? He could just point at someone and say, hey, you're indicted. Could we see this guy as attorney general? Absolutely we could. Don't forget, one person Trump appointed to be his acting attorney general was one Matt Whitaker, who had absolutely zero qualifications to hold any position in government. Prior to that, he was on the board of a company that made oversized toilets for men with oversized trouser snakes, as the company said, to prevent men's penises from making contact with either porcelain or water. They called it their masculine toilet. They also pitched and sold Sasquatch dolls, promoting them with a video claiming that DNA evidence collected in 2013 proves that Bigfoot does exist. And as you might imagine, the company was a sham and a scam. A federal judge shut it down and fined it $26 million after the Federal Trade Commission found it had, quote, built thousands of consumers out of millions of dollars in fees it charged clients, end quote. Perfect guy to be our next attorney general, or our acting attorney general at the time. So yeah, this Mike Davis clodpole is exactly the kind of person to whom Trump would give the top cop position in this country. And as this Mike Davis continued, listen to how he concludes these next remarks. Disgusting. Number three, we're going to deport. We're going to deport a lot of people, 10 million people and growing, uh, anchor babies, their parents, their grandparents. We're going to put kids in cages. It's going to be glorious. Quote, we're going to put kids in cages. It will be glorious. End quote. And look, I know he's throwing red meat to the disgusting hate mongers in Trump's brain-dead MAGA cult base. But two things. What does that tell you about Trump's base? That something like this would not only make them like this reprobate, but want him to be their attorney general. Second, what does it tell you about someone who would actually verbalize something like this in a public interview? I've said it before, it needs to be said again. There literally is no bottom with Donald Trump, his right-wing propaganda hate media, or his brain-dead mega cult base. No bottom. There are no depths to which they will not sink to be more disgusting than they already were. Davis continued. We're going to put kids in cages. It's going to be glorious. We're going to detain a lot of people in the D.C. Gulag uh, and get Mo. Indeed. Indeed. And by now, 
You're probably getting the point here, right? At this point, this repugnant degenerate is just spitting out whatever offensive and disgusting words and phrases his tiny mind can come up with. The question is, why? And the answer is, as repugnant as his words he's vomiting are, this is what appeals to the low-life, knuckle-dragging, mouth-breathing hate-mongers in Trump's brain-dead mega-cult base. Mike Davis concluded his remarks with this equally disgusting drivel. And you might notice, he didn't mention what list number four was. He went from number three to number five. Again, he's right on top of things, isn't he? And uh, list number five, I'm going to recommend a lot of pardons. Every January 6th defendant uh, is going to get a pardon, especially my hero, Horn Man. Uh, he is definitely at the top of the pardon list. Oh, you hear that? <laughs> I mean, this, I, I'm not real familiar with this Benny Johnson or the Benny show, but just what I saw in that little clip, I mean, this guy apparently is popular among the right. But getting back to Mike Davis, lastly, he said he's going to pardon the January 6th defendants, defendants as he called them. First, the Attorney General can't pardon anyone, but seeing as that's also a promise the orange trader has made, we'll let that slide. But what you just saw and heard perfectly encapsulates the entirety of today's QOP and their voters. These two embarrassing clowns you just heard are not in any way, shape, or form serious people. They both are and are both playing to the lowest common denominator of human nature and humanity. And sadly, that's all the QOP base apparently wants, something that will appear to their most base and primitive instincts. 221-7283 is our caller number here at the stage. Folks, if you want to chat, again, I remind you, the station is closed tomorrow. There will be no show. Therefore, this is the last chance we'll have to chat together before Friday. 702-221-7283, 221-SAVE. But yeah, Trump's base wants the January 6th insurrectionist pardoned. Why? Because Trump and his media has been telling them for almost three years that these traitors are patriots. They've been telling them the same thing about the orange traitor himself. He's a patriot. They want every undocumented immigrant deported. They want children thrown in cages. Why? Because the right-wing propaganda hate media has been scaring them for decades how terrorists are coming into our country. Yeah, to pick lettuce and mow lawns. They want people fired in the mythical deep state. Why? Same reason. The right-wing propaganda hate media who has perpetuated this bogus myth for years now. Same with every person with the last name of Biden. It's the right-wing propaganda hate media, which is why I will now repeat my solution to this heinous, anti-American, unpatriotic, and democracy-destroying disease. Eliminate the person who originates these lies and the massive, conservative, corporate-controlled, right-wing propaganda-hate media industrial complex who amplifies them to whomever will listen to these lies and eventually become radicalized by them.
Oh, yeah. And support shows like this who actually tell the documented and verifiable truth about these traitors. And I got to say, if there's anyone listening or watching today who can tell me that they like and support this Mike Davis, I'd sure as hell like to hear from you. It has been a while since I've spoken with someone completely devoid of morals, integrity, patriotism, and decency. It's also been quite some time since I've spoken with an actual demon. 221-7283 is our caller number here at the station, folks. If you want to chat, that's 702-221-SAVE. To the phones we had, and we'll talk to Forrest. You're first. Thanks for calling. Yeah, Doug, great show again. Um, I just wanted to comment on um, what you were talking about yesterday and today about the uh, Colorado decision by Judge Wallace. Um, you know, she had to tap dance. I agree with you completely to reach her conclusion um, that uh, he could still stay on the ballot. But, you know, I, as you know, I, I know people connected to uh, Biden, and Biden really wants um, he really wants uh, Trump to stay on that ballot. He wants to beat him in Colorado. He beat him by more than 14 percent last time. And the same issue is coming up in Oregon right now. And, um, you know, I, I know he shouldn't be on there, but if Joe Biden wants him on that ballot because he wants to just clean his clock, then that that's where I am, even if it takes a lot of tap dancing to get to that conclusion. Well, I, I can understand that to a certain extent, Forrest, but, but, but the way I look at it is, it still seems to me like everybody is still walking on eggshells and tiptoeing around this guy when he simply doesn't deserve it. If you or I or anybody else in this country had done even a fraction of what this guy with 91 felony charges against him had done, you and I would have been in jail already awaiting, awaiting our trials. Okay, okay, I agree with all that. Um, but what, what Biden's concerned about is that if they take him off the ballot in Colorado and Oregon and maybe some other states, the whole conversation during the campaign will be about why Trump is not, why the Trump voters can't vote for him in Colorado and Oregon. And Joe wants the whole um, conversation to be about issues and what Trump stands for and what he stands for and the difference between the two and the difference between how they would operate the country. That's what Joe is hoping for. He doesn't want the conversation to be about, look at all those Colorado Republicans that can't vote and all those Oregon Republicans that can't vote. That, that, that's, that's the dilemma we're in right now, I think. Yeah, and I can understand that premise, but, but then by the same token, maybe it could go either way. Maybe the conversation would reach some people who would say, holy crap, this guy's been kept off the ballot because he committed an insurrection? Wow, maybe I shouldn't vote for him. I mean, you're right, it, it could go, it could be both motivating to the right and it could be discouraging to people who may not otherwise have paid much attention to it. And they say, oh, I ain't voting for him. Yeah, it could be. But I, I tend to go, the, I know Joe Biden, and I know the people around him. And if Joe wants him on the ballot, then I don't look much further than that. I want him on the ballot, even if 
even if I'm mistaken and Joe's mistaken. Yeah. And, you know, further to your point, Forrest, that Joe wants it to be about issues and policies and not about uh, Trump being kept off the ballot. I agree. That would be a great strategy, except Biden doesn't do that. Trump used to get out there in the in front of the American people, the cameras, the microphones, and lie to them every day about things he hadn't done. Biden won't go out there and brag about the things he actually has done that helps the American people, and that's what frustrates me. I agree it should be about the issues, but when are you going to start saying them in public, Joe? No, no, I, I think you need to, you really watch a lot of TV, but too much. Maybe you're missing the fact that he's talking about, you know, building America, building our bridges and roads. Joe is actually talking about that that quite a bit. I'm, but I know it, it's not getting through to everybody. But he really is talking about that. Well, I wish he would do more because he has a record anybody would be proud to run on. But if you don't hammer it into people's heads so that they understand exactly what you've done for them, they're not going to think you've done anything. Well, another thing he's going to do, you might have saw it, uh, watched it on TV. It started yesterday. He's going to start shifting um, probably soon, but maybe not till January, on focusing on Trump himself, which he, I agree with you on that. He really hasn't focused on what a terrible person Trump is, and he's going to change his focus and start looking at Trump himself uh, very very soon. That'll be good. I, I look forward to that day, I'll tell you that. All right, I'm going to let you go so other, other people can talk. Hey, thank you, Forrest. If we don't talk before, have a great Thanksgiving. Same to you. Take care. 221-7283 is our caller number here at the station, folks. That's 702-221-SAV-EAR. Oh, no. I hear them in the background coming up. They're getting louder and louder. I hear the drums approaching. Can you hear the drums? Fernando, you're next. Thanks for calling. You hear the drums far, far and away <laughs> coming right at you. Hey, by the um, way, Fernando, by the way, Fernando, the day after we talked, did you hear me play that little bit from ABBA, the Dancing Queen remix? Yeah, the techno yeah. electronica music. Yeah, I remember that. It was kind of cool, wasn't I it? That dance, dancing in the days back to those songs. <laughs> yeah. Anyhow, um, on a lighter note, uh, Maggie uh, Taylor Green. I wonder if she gets half off on a pedicure. You think so? <laughs> <laughs> she's not hang ten. She's hang eight. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, Fernando came loaded for bear today. I got gotcha. I got tears in my eyes from that first one. <laughs> she gets half I off on the pedicure. No, actually, I okay. would think once the manicurist took a look at her feet, they charge her ten times as much just because they had to actually <laughs> touch those things. They got to bring out a chisel, a drill. Yeah, no kidding. A sander. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Fernando, Fernando, when's the last time you saw someone whose big toe was noticeably shorter than the other six? <laughs> uh, Fred Flintstone, I think. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's just, I mean, I hate to be critical of, of someone aesthetically, but really, Marjorie yeah. Taylor Greene should never, ever expose her feet in public. Well, her her, her, mean, her whole body, too, and face, but, you know, especially her feet. She criticizes everybody, talks about their personal 
life and this and that. So she's game, you know, she's game. So yeah. And you know, I wanted to ask you, Oh yeah, sure. Go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. What instruments instruments did you play? I started off, I started off as a wee squirt taking piano lessons. I took piano Uh lessons for 14 years, got my degree in classical piano, but in high school I took drums and I got to the point in, in with them that I got a job teaching them. So I play both. Oh, that's awesome. I'm a multi-instrument um, player, but not that kind, okay, guys? Um, <laughs> I, I play from piccolo, the woodwinds, brass, drums, cymbals, wow. tambourine, all those little gadgets and stuff. So wow. it, it was a lot of fun. But I, anyway, I want to wish you guys a happy uh, happy holiday, uh, Thanksgiving, and to you and Justin, you guys are, are, are the greatest. Hey, we appreciate it, Fernando. You take care and have a good Thanksgiving, too. Justin's and my best to you you and yours. Thank you. Hey, take care. 221-7283 is our caller number at the station, folks. That's 702-221-SAVE. Back to the phones to go. We'll talk to Big Bad John. You're next. Thanks for calling. Oh, Doug, it's a great day in America when Doug Basham's on the radio. I Uh, think so. (laughs) Uh, there's no question about it. I, I, I are a refreshing voice of logic and reason. <laughs> no question about it. Uh, top five in the nation, and we're so lucky to have you in Las Vegas. And uh, hey, Mr. Uh, Tony Corelli, don't feel uh, guilty about listening to the Great Doug Basham Radio Show. In fact, pick up the phone and call five of your Republican friends and say, "Hey, there's this guy on the radio. Uh, he's he's intelligent." He's well-prepared, and he talks logically and reasonably, and maybe you should listen. I think think you have an obligation to do that, Tony. How can I argue with such logic, John? uh, It seems flawless flawless to me. Yeah. But, hey, you know, Force brings up a great point, Uh, two points. One is uh, uh, if you could guarantee that somebody else, Chris Christie or Haley, uh, would be the Republican nominee and Trump would be eliminated, um, would you take it? You know, I mean, Trump is such a, a fascist Nazi dictator wannabe. Um, that's, you would have to give that some thought, right? I mean, if, if it meant Biden losing, uh, but Trump uh, would lose also, boy, that's a tough, that's a tough dilemma. Um, yeah, you're right, John. I don't know. That's, and the other thing is, uh, is uh, it's about damn time Biden turns his, his aim towards uh, t- towards Trump. You know, that's that's Trump's whole stick is just is throw some crap up against the wall and repeat it over and over and over and over again. And it. Hey, John, John, I have to interrupt yeah. here. Justin just told me I have 10 seconds left, so I got to let you run. We're off tomorrow for Great Thanksgiving. We will be back on Friday. See you then.